0: Welcome to Advent Christian Voices with the Renewed Church Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Reynolds, and I'm joined by everyone's favorite communication director slash church health guy, Grandmaster Flash, Justin Nash. How are you doing, Justin? fantastic, Eric. How are you today? I'm great, and I'm even better because I have found the nicest guy in the entire denomination to join us today. Um, I say the nicest because, Justin, you are the second nicest. So I'm surrounded right now by two of the nicest people that I know. We have
1: Dr. Mark Wolfington. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Well, thank you, Eric. Thank you, Justin. This is uh, the most handsome podcast I think anyone will listen to, in, at least today. <laughs> well, uh, unfortunately, the audience won't be able to see
0: our beautiful faces. Um, it is their loss. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. We so, faces for radio. So Mark, absolutely. So Mark is presently the... Uh, the senior pastor of First Ever Christian Church. Uh, I messed that up. I'm looking at your bio, and I started off in the wrong spot. You know what? Can you give us your bio? Sure.
1: Where have you gone I, to
0: school? Where are you the pastor? And,
1: and tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, definitely. Thank you. I am the pastor at the Church of the Highlands uh, in LaGrange, Illinois, an Advent Christian church in the southwest suburbs of Chicago. I'm a graduate of Aurora University. Uh, I got my Master of Divinity at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, and my Doctor of Ministry at Fuller Seminary in Pasadena, California. Uh, my wife, Kathy and I have two sons. Uh, one is a college student and one is a freshman in high school.: Man. And you and we were talking just before
0: uh, coming on air. So your demon is in leadership, and your, your
1: dissertation sounded really interesting. What is it called again? Leading Renewal in the Small Adventist Church. Um, I had pushed for Advent Christian, but uh, there's always an editor that clarifies that. And what I set out to do was to write on the topic of bringing renewal to not only an Advent Christian church, but a small church. Mm -hmm. So much of the literature in church growth or church leadership is written by the pastors of big churches for the pastors of big churches. Mm -hmm. Um I don't know too many advent christians churches that have large paid staff and an unlimited budget uh so I wanted to write something that would be helpful for smaller congregations.
0: Yeah, you know, I think that's good and uh I don't know if you I'm showing you this book Small Church Essentials by Carl Voders. Um he essentially re- this book is written for small churches similar to what you're talking about in that um He talks about how like the law of big numbers, you see that in a lot of this church uh, growth literature, church renewal literature, where a lot of those things, those strategies work when you have 2,000 plus people, but when you have 50 people, um, it's harder to, you can't really use those strategies. So I'm sure you have a lot of insight in how to employ different strategies for a local church. So um, I'm super excited to to talk with you today, along with Justin, we're going to be covering um what it looks like or how churches can help the mid-career pastor that's a term that that you used and I kind of like that um term and we we're going to break things down into three different categories that being experience, compensation, and life stage and kind of address different uh the the uniqueness of being a mid-career pastor um so So Mark, what kind of experiences have you had as a mid-career pastor that are positives for the local church?
1: Well, one of the things that comes to mind, uh, and I should have said earlier that I've been pastor at the Church of the Highlands since 2003, so uh, right at 15 years. My wife Kathy and I uh, live in the community. Our kids have gone to public schools there. We shop in the area. We go out to eat. Um, you know, all the typical things that people do. And that has given us a chance to build relationships with local businesses, local leaders. Uh, I'll give you a few examples. Uh, both of our sons have been involved with Boy Scouts and two different Eagle Scout projects, uh, either from one of the boys or from one of their friends uh, through scouting have taken place at the church um, you know, some kind of construction project or uh, a contribution to us. The local subway, which is just uh, almost walking distance to the church, uh, we've been going in there for 15 years, so we've got to know uh, the owner and his family. And from time to time, we'll need um, food for an event. I know I can call on Bart to make a donation or at least give us a discount. When there are needs within uh, the congregation, Uh, I probably know someone in the community. If we don't have someone in the church that can help, I can make recommendations about there's a counseling center through this agency, or here's where you go. If you need help with uh, paying your heating bill in the winter, that type of thing. So that's, that's
0: really a good, I think, benefit to having, you know, you've been at your church for 15 years. So having a longer tenure than, I mean, historically, some churches have had pastors last only a couple of years. and You don't get to make those type of relationships, right?
1: Right, right. Um, The local fire department comes and inspects our building every year. I'm sure that's pretty common. Mm -hmm. I know most of those firefighters that are coming. Uh, I know the inspector, you know, Hey George, how you doing? That kind of thing. Uh, Those conversations happen a lot.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. So <clears throat> do you think um, that that comes with being in uh mid life pastor or does that come more with being a mid, having been there for 10, 15 years where you get to build those relationships or you think they both go hand in hand?
1: I, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, if I were to find myself in another church uh, which I don't anticipate, but uh, if that were to happen, I think I would have some skills or some insight to start building relationships like that mm-hmm. that I didn't have when I first started. Uh, when I first started in ministry, you know, the church can do it all, and we don't need anyone or anything except for the Lord, uh, which is true to to an extent. But in knowing what I know now, I would be more intentional about building those kinds of relationships. Yeah. Now.
0: Uh... Uh, being there for 15 years, especially, you know, knowing th- what your um, education is in your your doctorate, a lot of church health guys and church revitalization guys talk about uh, not really seeing the fruit of revitalization in the local church until after at least three to five years. And that's also when you kind of earn the trust of the congregation and you really become their pastor. Have you felt that that's kind of anecdotally true uh, in your situation and other pastors that you know? who have been in a place with a similar tenure? It
1: it is. Um, It takes not only time in terms of the calendar, the first Christmas, the first um, Sunday school picnic, you know, all the big events uh, that we have, it takes uh, time in terms of events. Mm -hmm. I've done weddings, I've done funerals, I've baptized people, um, I think of, um, a few couples that I married and then a few years later, um, dedicated their kids. Now we're starting to see some of those kids, um, be old enough to go to camp, for example, mm. or be interested in being baptized. And those kinds of things don't come quickly. So it, it does take a while. It does take a while.
0: Yeah. That's good. So do you think that there are any drawbacks uh, to having too much experience? Is too much experience even a thing? Or are there any drawbacks of being a mid-career guy or even just being um, at your age in ministry? Uh, Yeah, do you see any drawbacks or or anything like that?
1: You know, I think it's easy. um, We all develop habits over time. And sometimes those can be very good, and sometimes they can be negative. Uh, for me, one of the challenges, uh, so I've been uh, in ministry for 22 years. That is a lot of Christmas, and I, I don't use the term Easter. I prefer Resurrection Sunday. Um, that's a lot of Christmas devotionals and sermons, and I always, I always wonder, am I preaching this message effectively to people who have either never heard the gospel or some of the folks in our church who've been there for 45 and 50 years. Mm -hmm. There's only so many ways you can tell the story of Christmas Mm -hmm. um, that people haven't already understood. So uh, gaining those fresh insights, I guess, uh, without becoming complacent Mm -hmm. is something that I think a lot about.
0: Yeah, you know, because uh, we when we shared notes over the last couple of days about uh, us talking today, one of the things, as I read some of that, what you were sharing, is um, I, I've listened, I forget which uh, person I read this from, but they talked that, they said that when it comes to Resurrection Sunday and Christmas, that they don't make it a special message in that, oh, we have to preach, you know, the narrative portion of, uh, of uh, the event of Christ's birth from Matthew this year, then Luke next year, and and, and rotate right like that. But what I've read from them is that they make sure whatever they're preaching on, you know, if you preach uh, as I prefer to all the way through a book of the Bible, then helping people see how that, whether it's Old Testament, New Testament, how it points to Christ in his death and resurrection, depending on which day. Um, now, obviously, some texts lend itself better to that, right? So if you're sure. preaching on 1 Corinthians 15, uh, you know, the resurrection of the dead, that's perfect for for Christmas. Uh, and there are probably some, you know, if you're preaching on the, uh, uh, say, 1 Timothy 3, uh, where you're, you're looking at leadership. And the local church not necessarily going to lend itself to those. So, using some maybe I'm thinking wisdom, but uh, not not having to explicitly preach the same text year after year after year for the same the same day. Does that? What do you what do you think about that?
1: Oh, I, I would agree. If the only time you're talking about the incarnation is in December, you've probably missed a pretty some pretty mm-hmm. good opportunities. Uh, resurrection is so important and it's found all through scripture. Mm -hmm. As you say, some passages lend lend themselves to that a little bit easier than others. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I have, I once preached uh, from Genesis three at Christmas time. That's not a Christmas passage. Well, it is because it describes the fall of man and why a savior is necessary. Absolutely. A little, little different perspective
0: yeah that's cool hey uh so for those of you who are listening and don't know uh producer Tom is m i a he's not here, so we have uh producer justin he's in the background, not quite sure maybe he's responding to text messages or something like that, but Justin, I want you to feel free to chime in here man um if you're if you're even still listening yeah, no you're I mean, just listening to you guys trying to soak, <laughs> in the,
2: soak in all the wisdom um so okay, so this is a speed round for mark um twenty two years of pastoral ministry what 's the one big thing you think
1: you got right? mm one thing I got right One of the things i 'm especially proud of and grateful for um our oldest son who uh, justin i I know that you know pretty well. Uh, left home recently, back in August, and that is an exciting time. It's also an anxious time for parents, and certainly Kathy and I are not the first couple that have uh, watched the first one leave the nest, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, but I'm very proud of him because he has found. A, he, he's going to school 500 miles away from us, and he has found a good church. Uh, After visiting a few in the community, uh, he's got involved in a few clubs uh, on campus. He's doing very well, and at least as of right now, uh, the faith that we raised him with and in uh, has been intact. So the fact that uh, my 18-year-old son is making good choices and uh, part of a body of believers where he lives, uh, that, that was very important to us. And I, I feel really good about that. Mm.
2: Okay. So here's the, here's the next question. What's one thing you got wrong?
0: Oh boy. I he's coming can't... with the heat today, Mark. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I am the. I thought usually he's the nice guy. I'm, I'm the tough one, but apparently, uh, I don't know what you did to take Justin off, but you did something,
1: man. <laughs> he's going to lose that ranking of the second nicest guy. <laughs> um. <laughs> he's dropping down quickly one of the things uh, that I went into ministry sort of believing or at least acting on was well I'm the pastor so I'm in charge people will listen to me Mm -hmm. and that is not always the case it seems like in any setting there are going to be some people uh, who accept you because you're the leader you know, they, they want to listen and, and obey uh, to some extent. Then there are always people, there there will always be a group of people for whatever reason don't trust you. They question your motives. They, they're not sure until you've proven over time that you actually know what you're talking about and are, are somewhat capable. So I remember um, something that I felt in our first church that we should do. And it seemed obvious to me, why hadn't we done this yet? And I more or less announced in a board meeting, this is what we're going to do. And it did not go over very well. (laughs) And uh, the church did not do what I thought was obvious. And how could any logical, sane uh, Christian person not see this? I hadn't done the homework of having conversations, building relationships with people. Uh, now I understand that to be sort of vision casting. I just sort of came in and mandated this is what's going to happen, and it didn't work. Cool. Yeah. I think I think that's great advice, and I appreciate you sharing that because
2: I think a lot of guys, particularly guys that come right out of seminary, have that experience as I've talked to other guys. they, they I had one guy tell me one time, well, I told them what the Bible said, and they didn't do it. What's wrong with them? And so, um, yeah. So, so I appreciate that. I didn't ask that question to be mean, and 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 just to sort of follow up on what he said about the one thing he got right. I, I will say, unless they're putting on a, a huge act, you and Kathy did a great job with your boys, and they're they're both very impressive, especially especially Josh is who's the one you're referring to just going off to college. And I don't know how much that was you and how much was Kathy, but imagine it was a team activity.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I got a question for you, Mark, what would you, especially in light of you talking about your kids? I know like when we talked with uh, Andy Rice a couple of episodes ago, we, we were talking a little bit about children taking care of the family. Is there any type of advice that you would want to impart on, Um, younger pastors in in our denomination as they're raising their family. I'm one of them. You know, I got kids that are seven and eight years old. Um, So is there any
1: advice that you think would be helpful uh, to to guys like me? Definitely. And that would be uh, to work at maintaining some kind of balance. Mm -hmm. And I say work at that because it's not a, a one and done type of project. Um, I tried to very carefully guard my time with family. Um, I have known uh, pastors who Saturday night, they're still up writing their sermon, and you know they, they're not participating in uh, family events or their kids' events at school and things because the church comes first. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a mistake. Uh, so as much as possible, and of course, there are always emergencies or things that pop up, uh, I tried to have my my sermon together by Friday afternoon so that when the weekend came, I had a weekend with my family. Um, and some advice that Kathy and I received years ago from um, an Advent Christian pastor that we have known for a long time by the name of Al Hutchings, we spent a lot of time in prayer with and for our kids. Mm. Mm. And that has made the difference, I think. And would you say that goes to like, part of one of your notes here
0: was that you've learned the difference between an actual emergency and what someone believes to be an emergency. So do you think that that's one of the lessons that probably someone like myself needs to learn uh, quicker than maybe some other lessons so that we don't get pulled away from
1: important family time or other obligations that we might have? Right, right. I remember um, learning the difference between what is an actual emergency and what is uh, someone having a a crisis or what they seem to think as an emergency. Um, Very early in my ministry, I got a call in the middle of the night uh, from a woman in the church, and she was just frantic. My boss has died, my boss has died, and I'm thinking her supervisor, her manager has maybe had a heart attack or there's been some kind of an accident. So of course I got up and got dressed and uh, went to meet her and her family. And then I found out it wasn't her actual boss, it was the CEO of the big company that she worked for as one of you know, 20,000 employees. Mm. CEO she'd never met, um, didn't know personally, but for her that was an emergency. Um, and I don't doubt that that was a tragic loss for the man's family and, uh, mm-hmm. and whatnot. But today, I would ask some questions before I got dressed and jumped in the car to to leave my family uh, for that. I would ask some different questions uh, about how urgent of a need this is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's
0: probably something that the church can uh, come alongside pastors, what, regardless of their age, and try to help them guard their own time, too. You know, how they should try and discern, all right, is this something that I need to call or text my pastor at, at 8 o'clock at night about? Or is this something that can wait until the morning uh, or something like that? Right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thanks for <clears throat> We're going to move on to... Um, we're going to be looking at the compensation part of our interview. So what kind of expenses, and I'll tell you, tell you, Mark, we've gotten some pushback, uh, not from you, although you might've been one of the people I forget, but there've been a number of people who've at least talked to me personally, who, uh, who listened to our interview with, with Andy talking about expenses, you know, the expenses of their young family have and, and felt that, we, because of our own naivete, downplayed the amount of expenses that you can have throughout your entire lifetime, even in pastors much older than yourselves. So um, I certainly apologize. A lot of it comes from naivete and, and learning some of the expenses and learning that life doesn't get less expensive as you get older. Uh, <laughs> right. It's always expensive. So I'd love to hear uh, from you, what kind of expenses a mid-career pastor have that some people might not be aware of, like myself?
1: Sure, and some of this has to do, uh, I think, with the ages of our kids. Um, your car expense or car insurance will go up tremendously when you have a 16-year-old that gets that uh, driver's license for the first time. Well, that's true for you know all parents, uh, not just pastors. Um, for us, the community that our church is located in tends to be somewhat affluent. And Kathy and I joke around that we're the poorest people at our school. Uh, I'll give you an example. Our older son uh, had a friend uh, whose family owned a home in Jamaica. Not a timeshare. They didn't go to Jamaica. They owned a home in Jamaica. And that's where they spent Christmas. And Joshua asked us, where are we going for Christmas? And I remember thinking, uh, we're going to see your grandma in St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> so just a very different, different culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other things that have come up, uh, registration for uh, high school, our, our younger son will be uh, taking driver's ed next year. And there's some costs associated with that. And one of the, the conversations I enjoy having with my dad Uh, who is in his early 80s now, he has no clue what stuff costs. Um, Our sons have played uh, sports, and uh, they've been in the band, so there have been music lessons and uh, certainly costs associated with that. Uh, Now you could say, well, those aren't essentials. Well, we want our kids to uh, get to experience some things uh beyond well you you'll sit at home and read and you know play checkers well reading is important i have to say that as an educator but uh things like that will come up and for some uh this is not necessarily been true for us uh but for some uh mid-career you start seeing uh, the illustrious Justin Nash may be able to share this with us as well. The closer you get to 50, uh, when you get up in the morning, there's aches and pains that weren't there uh, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, so I know for me, the the bounce back is a little bit longer than it used to be. Mm. So there's a, there's a cost there, I guess you could say.
0: Uh, you know, you, you mentioned that. And I didn't even think about bringing that up uh, in this portion of our interview, but uh, I've heard that from older guys. You know, they'll, they'll say, they, uh, they can probably do ministry more efficiently in some areas because they've learned, you know, what used to take you maybe 20 hours to write a sermon. Now you can get down to 12. Um, but there are other things that maybe because of just the physic, the, the our bodies deteriorate, deteriorate, I can't say that word, man. But you know what I mean? They, they break down over time that you don't have as much energy. Uh, as maybe you once did that you can't, uh, I don't know, maybe you can describe it a little bit better.
1: Sure. Earlier in my ministry, when I was in my early thirties, I worked as a hospital chaplain and it was not unusual to get a call at 3am to come to the hospital for some emergency. I can still do that today, but it's a little bit harder. the, The recovery time is a little bit longer than it was.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, I don't miss those late night uh, pager calls uh, going off. What's a pager? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Before we had fax machines. What's a fax machine? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Mid career guys, man. We we remember the good old days when there was yeah. one phone in the house. So. <laughs> Yeah,
2: Mark and I remember when you actually had to, uh, had a dial on your phone you had to turn, and if you messed up, you had to hang up and start over again.
1: Yeah, wow, we, we didn't have a remote for the TV, you were the remote for the TV, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> all for all
0: four channels you had. <laughs> so, so, Mark, what are some areas that you think uh, a church should give to in order to better support their pastor?
1: Sure, one of the things, um, that I think about. And I I think of this in terms of trust. If a pastor has been in ministry, 10, 15 years or longer, they obviously have some skills, some competency. Um, if those things were lacking, they probably would not still be in ministry at this point. So, trust their leadership. Um, As an example, uh, a few weeks ago, we had to have the water heater replaced at the parsonage. And we called to have that done, and the technicians came to install the water heater. And when they got there, I showed them where it was and got out of the way and let them do their work. That's what we had called them to do. I didn't stand over them and question their methods, why are you using this wrench or that wrench? Uh, I didn't ask, how many times have you done this? I didn't tell them about the last water heater that we had and how great those guys were that installed that one. I just (laughs) let them do what they were called to do. Mm -hmm. And one of the other things um, that I think about is understand that a mid-career pastor's family looks very different. Uh, You mentioned that your kids are seven and eight. Mm -hmm. My kids are a little bit older, and for us, the big change since we started in ministry, um, 22 years ago, Kathy and I had, uh, all of our parents were still living. Uh, Our fathers were still working. Since that time, uh, we've each lost a parent, and uh, the surviving parents have retired and are now kind of in their later years, so that requires some time from both of us to help care for them, whether that's chores around the house or doctor's appointments and, and things like that. Mm. Yeah, that, I can see how that would certainly be <clears throat> difficult
0: and a challenge, you know, uh, to be in between, you know, caring for your parents and caring for your children that you're, that you're raising as well. Yeah, that's tough. Um, how would you – counsel a younger pastor as they prepare for the future, uh, while living in the present. So like college funds, retirement, et cetera, those types of things, what would your advice financially or even spiritually be, uh, for younger pastors and maybe even churches to encourage their pastors? It doesn't just have to be younger guys, but, um, even guys your age and in between our two ages.
1: Sure. Uh, I'll come back to this. Um, you will want to spend time in prayer, not only for your kids, but something that I thought about, uh, as Joshua got older and into high school, um, eventually if they're like most Americans, our kids are going to be getting married and having families of their own. Uh, I want to start praying for that future daughter-in-law who I don't even know, but God does. Mm -hmm. Um, that she would be a good match for my sons. So, thinking down the road uh, like that, uh, we talked a lot with the boys as they were coming up about what they felt called to do and be in life. Mm-hmm. Um, they know that if they ask a question, dad's gonna be honest with them. You know, I don't try to be the expert uh, that knows everything. And I have recommended that they talk to others who may be more knowledgeable about something. Uh, Josh was interested in a career in law enforcement. And uh, that started when he was very little. You know, Daddy, I want to be a policeman. Mm. As he got older, I would tell him, see that police officer over there? Why don't you go talk to them? And now he just does that naturally whenever we're out somewhere. Mm -hmm. So this idea of mentors or role models Uh, allowing other people to have a part in that. Um, One of my brother well, both of my brother-in-laws actually have had a big impact on my sons. And that to me, that's a great blessing. I'm glad that they have other men who are investing in them and encouraging them. And that's something as a younger pastor, you know, look for some role models and some mentors for your kids. Mm -hmm. And of course the local church is the best place for that to happen. Absolutely. Uh, financially, we started uh, saving or putting money away for uh, the boys' education uh, when they were very young. wasn't a whole lot of money, at least initially, but one of the benefits you have is time. And investing, that's a very important uh, principle. Um, and I would encourage our younger pastors and churches uh, to encourage their pastors to contribute to the Advent Christian minister's pension plan. Mm -hmm. The pension plan for Advent Christian pastors is voluntary, so it's not required. And unfortunately, I have seen a few people who have served churches for 30 and 40 years, they get ready to retire, and because they or their church has not been contributing, there isn't a whole lot of money there for them and that's a tough spot to be in. So one of the things that I have done in LaGrange uh, from time to time when they've offered me a salary increase or a raise, I've asked them instead of just giving me a raise and a few extra dollars in a paycheck, increase your contribution to my pension plan mm-hmm. because those dollars, while they'd be great to have today, in another 20, 25 years, it'll have more impact for me.
0: Yeah. That's wise. Planning for the future is wise. And that's something that <clears throat> I know I've talked with people about. It's always hard to justify, I think, for pastors. Um, not justify, that's probably too strong. But to when we think through those things, right, because um, at least me being wide-eyed and, and bushy-tailed early on in ministry is thinking like, well, Paul never retired. His retirement plan was death. Uh, we kind of see that as, as a theme for all the apostles. Uh, but that's, uh, that's not realistic. Uh, also, you know, we still have to live in our present culture in that, Hey, you can still participate in ministry when you're 70 years old, but, uh, you're probably not going to be able to be in the full-time pastor or anything like that. So, um, it's certainly helpful to plan for the future and whatnot sooner rather than later.
1: Right, right, and you know we believe the Lord is coming again soon, and I believe that wholeheartedly uh I hope He does if he delays uh i I will be prepared, and I hope to leave every dollar that I have in the pension plan behind because the Lord has returned before I need it amen, amen, it's a victory either way
0: hey so so just moving quickly to our la- our last portion, looking at life stage, um how is life different for you now compared to twenty years ago or? Uh, when you uh, earlier in your ministry
1: one of the things that I think has changed for me is I have a different sense of urgency and by that I mean um, I don't have to do everything right now there are some things I need to do right now um, but I don't know if I've developed patience or what it is exactly, but it's a little bit different perspective. Um, And I think I probably understand a lot better what some of the congregation has gone through or is going through because I've been through similar experiences. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's kind of funny. And I mentioned this earlier we will talk about, we want to call a young pastor with the young family so we can reach young families. And, and that's true, and that does happen, certainly. I think it would be more effective to call an older pastor with a little bit of wisdom. When I was 35 and had kids in grade school, I couldn't relate to the people in our church with teenagers as well because I didn't have teenagers today I do and I understand a little bit better what they're going through it to paraphrase a famous quote you don't know what you don't know Mm -hmm. as you go along in life you realize oh okay I didn't understand what it was like maybe to um, bury a parent or lose spouse Mm-hmm. But as I've gotten older, uh, I have either experienced some of those things or uh, worked with people who've experienced those things. And I think that's made me a little bit more compassionate and certainly a little more sympathetic mm-hmm. to people. Yeah, that's good.
0: So how do you think ministry has changed over the last 20 years? Just in general, how ministry has changed?
1: Sure. The The pace is certainly different. Um, that Discussion I had in the in my first church that I mentioned uh, today that could be done by email, whereas 22 years ago, not very many people in the church had email. So mm-hmm. technology has certainly changed things. It has simplified communication, but it has also led to this problem of pastors are always on because anytime, day or night, your cell phone can ring. Your you may get a text. And the other thing that I think about, uh, in in a sense, we're in competition because with the simple internet connection, you can hear preaching from almost anywhere in the world. Uh, Our our people have access to hundreds or thousands of different pastors and sermons, and you are being evaluated against that, well, this is not what Pastor so-and-so said, and Uh, There's someone in my church who comes to Bible study with his iPad and he's looking up commentaries as I'm teaching. Mm. I think I'm a pretty sharp guy, but it's hard to keep up with Google and and what he can find, you know, in 15 seconds on on a search.
0: Yeah, that's certainly, uh, that can certainly be difficult uh, when they essentially have access to all sorts of, probably good and bad commentaries, good and bad teachers out there because it's even more difficult now before you could kind of you had a greater influence on who your people listen to um but now they can go do a google search and find all sorts of people on a wide theological spectrum that might be helpful or or dangerous uh to to their growth right definitely definitely Yeah, that's good. So what kind of lessons have you learned that are influencing your ministry, yourself, your family, and your church?
1: I think I'm more concerned or uh, thinking more about leadership development and the next generation. Um, I realize that I, am, I will not always be pastor of the Church of the Highlands uh, either retirement or death, uh, the retirement plan you mentioned, or circumstances may change. Uh, but in order for the work to continue, it can't be about me. I want to build a team, whereas before I felt like earlier in my ministry, the pastor is the go-to guy for everything. And that's, a, that's an unhealthy model. Today, I'm more interested in building a team or shared leadership for the long haul. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. Well, that concludes uh,
0: what we're talking about today. Uh, Justin, do you you have anything that you'd like to add or or ask uh, Dr. Mark Wolfington?
2: No, I just appreciate Mark's, uh Mark's wisdom in this he's um, well one of the things just to get you comment briefly on just so something you didn't mention I know at least for the last several years you've functioned in a really in a bi-vocational situation and I don't know if that's been true your whole time there in, in Lagrange but um, what are some of the challenges and, and some of the unique, maybe even solutions you've come up with dealing with a bi-vocational situation, which is, you know, where you are now with your, your full-time in Aurora and then your service at the church as well.
1: Right. I have been bivocational a good part of my ministry here. And that requires a great deal of uh, logistical planning and time management. Mm. That requires a great deal of flexibility on the part of the church. Um, fortunately I have, um, some lay leaders who are happy to visit, uh, someone's in the hospital, you know, some, sometimes my deacons will get there before I do. It's also, and this is something I appreciate, um, the university has been very flexible with me where, uh, I let my vice president or executive director know, uh, I need to be at this, for the church, uh, they understand, and it's it's typically not a problem. Uh, I'm grateful for Kathy because she um, has been able to manage things for us that would be difficult um, or, or, or very difficult for me to do since I'm back and forth uh, so much. Yeah. So the
2: advice there is marry well. Yes, yes,
1: marry up. Definitely. I, I haven't met too many Advent Christians who don't uh, outkick their coverage in, in that area. But <laughs> flexibility and uh, communication, you know, I, one of the things I try to include um, often is to remind the church of ways to get a hold of me. Here's my cell phone. Here's my office number at the university. Um, I use my travel time between LaGrange and Aurora to make phone calls, mm. check in on people. I check in on my father uh, when I'm not able to spend time with him. So I've tried to make that uh, my commute time. I've tried to use that for ministry and put that to uh, better use than just listening to uh, the radio or you know something like that.
0: So what you're saying is you're a good person and don't listen to sports talk radio like like I do.
1: Well, I, I actually do. I actually do, although it's been very difficult these last two weeks because of um, the Cubs, uh, which I'm tired of hearing about, but uh, that's that's a podcast for another <laughs> <laughs> It is. Hey, Mark, uh,
0: I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and I Really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit at the triennial, triennial convention a couple of years ago. And I look forward to, uh, to meet you face to face again and spend some time with you. I, I look forward to that
1: too. And, um, uh, in April, end of April, first part of May, it sounds like the leadership summit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Actually this, uh, <coughs> this podcast, I forgot to do our commercial. This podcast was brought to you by the AC leaders conference and, uh, Uh, I'm just waiting for Justin to say whether or not we can give you a a discount on that. No, no
2: discounts on that. I'm not in charge of that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think we found the one thing that can get uh, Justin fired is if we offer, offer a discount on the AC leaders conference, but nevertheless, I'm pretty excited about the AC leaders conference. Um, I've been getting a lot of information about it, either through the e-news email and through their Facebook page. So, Do you want to give a plug for that, real quick? uh, Yeah, we'd like to encourage
2: everybody. We're really excited about the event. It'll be April 30th through May 2nd, 2019. It will be at Lador Convention Center in Waymart, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Our keynote speaker, really our only speaker, is Dr. Kevin Peck. He's the pastor at Austin Stone. Community Church in Austin, Texas. Wow, and, and I'm, I'm a big fan of Austin Stone. Yeah, okay, well yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a super nice guy too. I've had a chance to chat with him a little bit, uh, but we're really excited because this is an opportunity for our leaders to come and to spend time with Dr. Peck and actually come away from this conference with a plan that is unique, a leadership development plan that is unique to them, their specific ministry context, or specific stage in life. We're very excited about what the outcomes are and our goals for this. And uh, Dr. Peck's really excited. This is right in his wheelhouse and he's really looking forward to it. So we'd encourage you, if you are a pastor, a church leader, please plan on coming. You can find out more at acleadersconference.com. Registration forms will be going in the mail first next week. And uh, again you can register online and find out more at acleadersconference.com.
0: I'm super excited, Jay Nash. You know who else, you know who's probably more excited than I am? Who's that? Dr. Mark Wolfington. Mm-hmm. I am
1: very excited. <laughs> um, uh, did you say Walmart, Pennsylvania? Wait, wait, way, waymart. Waymart, okay Waymart. Okay. The other Walmart.
0: <laughs> you know, I was pretty upset about this, because uh, last time that we had the AC Leaders Conference, it was at the Billy Graham Center in Asheville, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, and you moved it, you moved it to Pennsylvania. I was hoping well, it was, was going to get to go back to the Billy Graham Center.
2: Yeah, well, we moved it. Uh, it, honestly, one of the reasons we moved it was uh, for cost. This is this would be a lot less expensive for our participants, and it's just a great facility. Uh, another advantage is this facility is kid friendly, so you can actually bring your family with you if you want to.
0: Why would someone want to do that?
2: <laughs> you're not. You're not winning for Father of the Year anytime soon. I
0: can't <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's how that's how my kids know that I love them is that I don't tell them that I love them.
2: Right, right. I forget. I'm just kidding.
0: I'm just kidding. I'm the guy who I kiss my kids in the car and all that stuff. I'm I
2: forget. Sarcasm is the love language of the Northeast.
1: I forget. It is. It's our only language.
0: Yeah.
2: Part
1: so, of our duties as fathers is to embarrass our kids as often as possible. So that's uh, and that, Keep up the good work.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. all right well again uh thanks mark and this has been another episode of the renewed church podcast hopefully we didn't uh screw up your day and we hope to do better the next time take care and god bless